Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Gate podcast. This week we're on season three episode 11 and there was a little break last week because I got sick um, so my patrons would have been updated on that. I hope you didn't miss me too much <laughs> um, but yes I had a quite a bad 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 tummy for several days so I was sitting with that and um, yeah just riding the waves of life um, which isn't easy when you're not in a a good space like physically um, because it affects well for me anyway it affects me mentally as well massively and um, you know when you can't get up and about and do your normal things and it's like you have to stay in bed and I know some people might love to stay in bed but I don't like it I really don't um I love getting out and about and just you know just what it's all about the adventure you know but then at the same time we do need contraction we do need to go into spaces of rest and like um you know kind of like the way winter was like hibernation like we do need to contract like we can't always be in expansion every day like it's like in out you know the elastic band goes out goes in the boomerang goes out goes in you know we need to come back in again and sometimes you know I definitely have difficulty with it I don't know about you listening but um it's that resting period and I suppose it's because we're such a productive species and that's what we've learned growing up you know, to be productive and that's a lot of the value we assign to each other is from productivity and achievement. Um, so being, actually being is very, um, very, I suppose you could say productive in terms of well-being. It's so important for us. Um, so in one way, I'm grateful for that bit of rest um, because there was no way I could even open the laptop, you know. I just really had to do self-care you know um but anyways um I hope you're all you've all been doing well and you're all well um we're in the middle of February now so we're kind of we're into spring um and this week we are going to venture to Denmark um Copenhagen and a little venture up to Malmo in Sweden which I done on a kind of a duo trip. Um, so I spent some time in Copenhagen and then did a little day adventure up to Sweden. Um, yeah, so I'll take it there. And I'll also update you on the bits with the plants and the bees and all that jazz. Um, the bees and the trees and the, all that. And of course, um, I would like to share a little bit about... Um, a nature book, a bee book, um, which I think you'll find interesting and very, uh, I suppose, uh, important for the season that we're in. Um, so yeah, so just a, a entry point to say thank you to the patrons. And if you do um, get something from this podcast, please give it a share, a five-star review on Apple podcast or if you would like to see it continue going, um, you can become a patron and have access to extra content and all of the monies go back into nature. So everything that I'm doing on the farm, all of it is going back into um, our Mother Earth. Um, that's what it's all about. 
restoring the earth. Um, so yes, so thank you to the patrons and let's get going on our wonderful adventure. So I went to Copenhagen a few years back and I had a lovely few days there. And I actually met up with some of my friends that I lived with in um, France. So they were also teachers at the time um, in some schools in France when we lived there. And we had a lovely re reunion. And I can honestly say that it is super cool, a hip city. And there's really nice canals, um, water, beautiful um, old um, like 1600 um, year old houses really brightly coloured um, everybody's on bicycles there such good food amazing markets uh, beautiful gardens castles like it's really 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 cool city I was honestly like buzzing there I was like oh my god it's really like hip and modern and yeah just really cosmo but um, I'll tell you about a couple of things I've done there um, so one of the places you can visit is Rosenberg Castle and you have the King's Gardens, very posh indeed. And, um, if you do venture inside, you can even observe the Venetian glass. If you listen to my Italian podcast, you would have taught, heard me talk about the Venetian glass, um, beautiful glass from Venice. And I have earrings from there. They're amazing. Um, and you can see the king's chamber and stuff like that. And the gardens are beautiful to just observe and walk around. And yeah, just really feel into the nature of the city, like the green space. Um, another place you can go to is um, Nyhaven. Now, my Danish... I don't have any Danish, actually. So um, <laughs> I'll try my best. But Nyhaven... Um, and we actually done a canal tour there so it's like um, you have the opening of the canal and all these really old like 1600 year old houses like all lining up the sides but all different colors blues reds whites everything it's amazing really pretty and you can get lovely food there you can get a beer if you want that um, yeah it's super hip-hop and um we actually kind of chilled out there at night as well. And we I remember having a glass of wine there and just being amongst people. Like it was just really upbeat, you know. And they're like old merchant houses. And if you buy a postcard from there as well, like it's normally from that area because it's so picturesque. Um, but yeah, really pretty. So we did the canal tour. So you just hop on board one of the, one of the canal boats they take you on a tour out of the canal all around the harbour and they teach you all about the different architecture there the history and different sites and monuments so I definitely would recommend it and um yeah just really cool to get out in a boat you know anytime there's a boat I'm like I'll get on that boat so yeah um another place you can visit is called the Tivoli Gardens and um it's part of uh, an amusement park um and it's actually the world's oldest theme park and so it's pretty cool and I don't remember going on any rides there as such but there was loads of really nice food and there's like a wooden roller coaster and again the gardens were just super picturesque and I remember having some candy floss which was quite fun um yeah I mean like like how often do you eat candy floss so a big huge pink you know and it's just stuck all over you <laughs> but um yeah 
I would say that is a good to do thing in the theme park. Um, there was another um, place we used to go in the mornings and it was like um, a food market um, and it had like actually the, the name of it I actually can't pronounce but it's like the main food market there and I remember walking in and being like wow like we didn't know what to choose in there it was so big uh, just like I remember like touring around every stall and just being like what are we going to eat you know because it's just divine you know like not only like obviously you have Danish pastries which are delicious um but they also have foods like um it's like s'more s'more broad s'more broad <laughs> yeah that's Danish but it's Danish for butter bread but it's actually a type of sandwich they have so that they've all these like open-faced sandwiches and then on top you might have meats and cheeses and eggs and stuff like that but they're super delicious um and it's usually like on rye bread because um, rye, rye flour is quite popular there. They did have another thing like an apple cake. Um, it was like steamed apple and then like cream and stuff. It was quite um, like just one of their desserts they had, which was really good. Um, and oh my God, it was just, yeah, the food there was just amazing. And especially around the canal as well. I remember we had fish and just a really good buzz. And then another night we went to another part where there was loads and loads of restaurants and bars super hip like and I was just almost like this city is just surprising me every day like loads of men in suits I remember and they were sitting on the bridges and they were having beers at like four o'clock on a Friday and I was just like oh my god this scene is just like it didn't fit my mind my psyche of what men in suits did because in Dublin or Cork in Ireland like you don't see that much like you know they might be in a, a restaurant or I don't know where, a tapas, I don't know. But like over there, it was just so casual. They were just all hanging out on bridges, laid back. There was no like standing up straight, being like a solicitor. They were all just hanging out like normal and chilled. And it was really cool. And another thing I found there as well was like uniqueness was like so popular. Like everybody was so unique in how they dressed and how they were. And I really liked it, you know, like... It was almost like if you were the same, it was a bit weird. Whereas like in a lot of other cultures, there's almost that sheep aspect of everybody being the same or everybody looking the same or everybody wanting the same. And when I visited there, everybody was so different and they all had different jewellery, they all had different like fashion styles, um, hairstyle, everything like was so different. I was just like a breath of fresh air. So I was really into it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can actually visit the botanical gardens as well and they have like glass houses there from 1900s. They're absolutely amazing and they have like like over 10, is it 10 to 13,000 plant species, which is incredible. Um, so when I was in Copenhagen, I stayed in an Airbnb, super cool one. And when we would walk to the city every day, like you'd pass, I don't know how many bikes bikes upon bikes upon bikes um yeah I just was so surprised I just wanted a bike you know because everybody had one which was really good uh super bike friendly city and you find that around Europe as well as well I found it in the Netherlands everybody had a bike which is great um yeah and then um actually did a day trip then up to Malmo in Sweden 
um, so you can get the train up there and um, we actually had our passports ready and everything it seems a bit funny well when you're from an island like as an islander it's very weird to get a passport out when you're just going on a train you know so it's always in my mind I'm like this is a bit weird are we actually going into a new country but Malmo was actually um, you can look it up on the map but Malmo was actually part of Denmark for a long time and then um, it became part of Sweden so yeah it's a it's a seaside um, city and you have like old squares skyscrapers um, so it's very much like new and old um, and there's lots like it's definitely worth a day trip just to wander around and you know say like I was in Sweden <laughs> um, and um, get your passport stamped and um, yeah like uh, venture around and see the architecture that they have um, and the food so there was one lovely church we visited St Peter's Church it was a gothic medieval um, church um, so that was really beautiful and then they had like big shopping street and just kind of quirky things like arty things out in the streets as well. Um, and then we visited the Malmo Castle, um, which is like a big, huge fortress. And um, yeah, it was quite impressive structure. And there was a moat around it as well. And gardens with like orchards and um, yeah, really... Um, really impressive place like to find this big huge castle and then all these lovely gardens in the midst of this kind of bustling fast growing city um, and it was also cool as well to go from Danish speaking to Swedish speaking you know it was like oh new place only on a train ride um, and again the food again like they have really good falafel there coffee is really good there they have good beer like they have the Malmo Brewing Company which is quite cool you can visit there and try the beer um, and then they had a, like a funny cake thing um, it was like cake on a spit it's like a local delicacy um, I'm not going to pronounce it because I don't really know how to but it's it was like cake on a spit so very sweet and yeah um, definitely try that with a cup of coffee in the daytime um, and then they also had loads of fish fish items like smoked eel smoked herring um, or pickled herring even um, so you could try all of those as well. Yeah, so that was Copenhagen and Malmo. Um, very easily done on a weekend trip. Um, well, maybe a long, long weekend. Um, but you could definitely spend loads of time there. And it's such a good meeting spot for friends from around Europe. And um, the food there, the hip-hop culture, the uniqueness, it's all, yeah, just really high vibe and um, I absolutely loved it there. I actually wanted to mention just a small bit about the biodiversity um, that Sweden holds um, because according to the IUCN um, they hold 3% of the world's species which is actually massive because there's so much forest cover there um, and it's actually 32% of the total species for Europe. So it's massive. Um, and look at Sweden. It's just like, like when you think of pictures of Sweden, you always think of forests and it's just amazing. Um, so most of the species there that are actually threatened are found in grasslands, forests and wetlands. Um, 
so yeah specifically like mammals reptiles amphibians freshwater fish butterflies at 25 percent um so yeah and it's mostly due to habitat loss fragmentation and degradation um and of course there's water pollution caused by agriculture and forestry effluent and that's further exasperated by natural systems modification such as climate change um, and um, agricultural expansion as always such as like logging and wood harvesting urbanization as well and tourism um, so yeah so it's uh, it's the logging and the wood harvesting are like serious threats to mammals you know, because there's so much forest cover there that they have nowhere to live then, you know. Um, then, like, reptiles, again, like, at least 33% of the reptiles in Sweden may be threatened by human persecution and control, especially snakes. So, again, like, you see that human interference with the species. Um and the reptiles in Sweden represent 4% of all reptiles in Europe. Um, yeah. And butterflies, my favourite one. So Sweden hosts a quarter of all butterflies in Europe. And 7% of them are considered threatened. Um, They have very specific food and habitat requirements at different stages of their life cycle. So they're very sensitive to change in their environment, especially things like um, habitat management for like overgrazing, undergrazing or changes in forestry practices. So, yeah, so it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big thing. And then they mentioned dragonflies. Um, they say that their numbers are relatively good since approximately 95% are classified as least concern. Um, and again, they're affected by ecosystem modification, like dams, reservoirs, construction, um, agricultural expansion. So again, we can just note that like all of the effects on all these species is mainly due to us, our need for changing the earth, habitats, ecosystems, environments. So it's time for a change you know and we can all do our bit but I know like sometimes you can feel helpless because the big guys at the top are doing all this massive work but it does actually all come down to us as well and our purchasing and our consumption habits you know like what are we buying and how are we checking labels are we conscious consumers like you're are you buying meat are you you know is it from a trusted source like are you buying local are you you know what I mean are you on Amazon buying all these stuff shipped from here, there and everywhere? So it's all down to us as well. Um, and yeah, a small bit from each individual can make a massive change. So I actually wanted to share with you as well about the bees this week and all that jazz. So this week um, we fed the bees some more. Um, some of the hives had actually eaten through all of their feed, which I put in a couple of months ago. And some of the hives haven't even touched the food. So some actually still have, um, you know, like sources of food in the hive, whether it's 
you know, they have honey or and I've actually seen them collecting pollen with the last week. There's loads of gorse outside as well. So they are coming in and out, but the last couple of days now with this kind of stormy weather, they're mostly inside. Um, and we also treated some of the hives um, with um, a vaporizer to um, kill the varroa mite. So it's like a miticide. Um, and it's a very, very big thing which affects bees, honeybees. It can take out colonies. Um, so I went with another beekeeper to do that. And um, yeah, um, the actual miticide itself is from the foxglove, oxalic acid, and which is poisonous um, to humans, actually. I was reading a bit about that. I didn't know that, and I used to play with that as a kid. But um, anyways... I just quite kind of wanted to research it a bit before experiencing what the whole treating of bees was and what this varroa mite is, but it's deadly to colonies. Um, some beekeepers don't treat. Um, I think the majority do. Um, so I suppose it's each to their own. But um, yeah, so we're doing. I was doing. I was doing that last week. Um, and as well, um, I have a bit on my book here about springtime and bees, which I'd like to share with you. Um, so it says spring is an exciting period um, as the beekeeper must play cat and mouse with the weather while hoping for a good crop of honey. Um, the beekeeper's year begins in spring when the first flow of honey and pollen are matched by an increase in bee activity. The queen should be started starting to lay eggs and the workers that are overwintered should be beginning to forage. There will, however, still be plenty of cold days and you should resist the temptation to open the hive, even if the bees seem to be flying happily. Heft the hive to estimate how much food there is. Consider giving the bees a feed of syrup. If your feeder is on top of the crown board, you can feed without letting any chill air into the hive, but avoid doing this on a dark, cold day. It is in a very cold spring day, you might need to think about feeding pollen or a pollen substitute. Bees will fly on warm days, visiting apple blossom and storing pollen and honey. And the number of bees will gradually increase because the queen will be laying. It's hoped that there are enough foraging bees and honey reserves to match the increasing burden of the new young. Um, and there's just different steps as a beekeeper that you have to do which I'll, I'll be doing soon, but like only when the weather gets warm. And so you change the floor of the hive. So you remove any like debris and if there's any uh, varroa mites or whatever. Um, and then it's just saying like check for a varroa infestation, which is the mite. And you can apply an appropriate treatment. Um, even though fruit trees should be coming into bloom, check the weather because the bees will stay inside in a cold slap and snap and might need extra food so that's what we were doing as well and then you can give a feed of syrup if necessary or of pollen substitute um, and then you can check signs of damage so we actually have storm at the moment so like the beehives are battened down um, and just have to be careful of that I always wake up in the night when the storm is coming because I'm like oh my god is there a hive down <laughs> um, I've seen it happen and it's like I don't know, it's like I feel what the bees have felt their home upside down, but they have so much propolis around it anyway that like it's like glued together. Uh, rarely, very rarely will actually just like all fall apart. It's just so much glue on it. Um, 
And again, the propolis is like the sticky stuff, the sap from the trees. Um, and then it's saying in mid-spring, you should wait for the warm day to have the inspection, but don't linger inside because the weather can change fast. Um, and you just need to check the queen and there's any sign of disease as well as how much food is there. Um, check the honeycomb and replace any that has become dark. Clean all your spare wooden frames if they're ready to be used. Remove the mouse guard, although I didn't have a mouse guard. Um, all my bees are still flying, so that's great. Um, and yeah, and then it just says in late spring, the colony should be growing quickly and may well need extra feeding. So make sure there's plenty of syrup. If your hive is near um, fruit trees or an orchard, be ready to add an extra super. So an extra super is just an extra box, but it's like half the size of the main box, the brood box. Um, yeah, and then um, it's just saying about swarms, that swarms can happen at any time from now on. So consider having an extra bait hive available. This is also time to think about the age and health of the queen and to decide whether you will re-queen the hive. Um, yeah, so there's all that stuff that goes on. So spring is such a busy period. Well, like a late spring and then into summer because the swarms, the hives, the queens, there's queen eggs. You don't know if the hive is going to double, quadruple. You're like trying to manage, oh my God, like... Do I want to re-queen? Do I want to not have a new queen? And it's just like nature is playing the role and you have to decide what goes on. And if you leave it to nature, you might lose an amazing colony and it might just go off somewhere else, which is how I caught my swarms last year. I don't know where they came from, but they were amazing. And I got a huge amount of honey off one hive and the rest I let them be. Um... Yeah, and then they like just give a little checklist and they're like, look for the queen. Is she healthy? Is she laying well? Check the food stores, replace empty frames, check for Varroa, the mite, check for signs of swarming. That'll be later in spring. And um, yeah, only inspect the hive on warm days. So that's all kind of just really um, beneficial things to know for the next period that's coming on. And I can actually feel it in myself, the workload just coming on. Um, I actually have started using my propagator as well. So I have a heated indoor propagator that I plug in and I've put onion seeds in and they've germinated. So there's little seedlings in there now, which is exciting. I've only ever done onions from sets like the bulbs. And so it's, it's kind of cool to do them from the seed as well. Um, I also, um, have been getting more buckets of seaweed and just feeding the soil uh, feeding the bees and feeding the soil and um I've also been um uh, I've also seeded some lettuce so again just using um some compost and seaweed and different things like that just trying to do it as naturally um the best way for the soil you know and um, what else has been going on um yeah, um, another thing actually I wanted to mention about winter and spring and it's still quite cold is the use of saunas. Um, I am a regular user user of saunas and just talking about mental health and well-being. Um, they can be so beneficial for us um, in terms of like circulation, um, you know, to our organs, our muscles especially in winter when we're like really contracted and our bodies are quite tight and achy like it's just it's such a good place to go to to relax and unwind and um feel back 
um, like in your not in your summer body, but just get that bit of heat. And it's just a great place to socialize as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, what other nature bits as well? Um, I've been down to the local forest recently just to get some uh, firewood for the fire. And I was down there with my sister as well. And I got loads of this kind of, um, it was like the peelings of the bark from the eucalyptus tree. Um, I took it and I brought it to the fire at home and it was like an amazing fire starter. I didn't expect it to be so good, but it just, it totally just took the fire off. Um, I think it's kind of good to share that stuff because um, a lot of us who do light fires, maybe, yeah, like, or maybe everybody is aware of that and I'm just new to it. <laughs> that could be it as well. But I just found it was so good. I was in this like small little forested area of eucalyptus. We were trying to find little baby saplings and um, yeah, I found this bark and it was just an amazing thing for starting the fire. It just totally lit up. Um, another thing today was that I visited my cousin's farm called Ballyfin Farm and you can find them on Instagram or online and he's actually setting up um, his tunnel and um, he's built up a really cool construction like a portable house for his hens so he moves the hen house like every few days um, for a new green pasture and loads of hens like a few hundred hens so loads of eggs. Um, and he's actually like if you follow them on Instagram you can follow along where they put their honesty boxes and stuff and um, yeah really exciting stuff and I got to look at all his new trees and tree planting and um, yeah it was really cool to just like feel um, and see the roots of all the different types of trees and how they were like the oaks the hazels the birches the um scots pine like all so different every tree so different and he's planting all of them and i'll be planting some myself as well which is exciting um yeah it'd be like the birds you know the birds going around planting the trees we're, we're like doing that as well <laughs> and yeah it just feels really good to know that like we're giving back to nature and every tree counts you know so um yeah I'll be getting into that stuff soon as well and I, I'm gonna have to start like making up frames for beehives and all that because like we're into spring already and stuff's starting to move and things are getting yeah things are really getting into motion um so yeah so that's all for this week's folks um I hope you enjoyed um get your bucket list uh out for Denmark Sweden adventure um, beautiful and if you can venture up into the forestry of Sweden do it um, I had like it was like a city break for me so it was kind of short but I would love to go back and explore the wilderness there it looks sensational and um, yeah let me know if um, you're listening and you've started growing or you've started work if you if you have a tunnel if you've started working there or if you're doing any nature bits or, I don't know, adventures, um, I'd love to hear from you. And keep up the swimming if you're swimming. I'm swimming every morning. It's just such medicine. And trying to sauna a couple of times a week as well. Um, just all for mental well-being. Because, as you know, we're going through the shifts and we have a big full moon at the moment. So um, things are moving through. Um, yeah just know that it's all temporary if you're in the low and if it's in the high just enjoy it um so yeah so have a wonderful weekend
and um just a final thank you to the patrons who support the podcast and um yeah if you can support and you're getting something for this please consider supporting me and my work with um nature conservation it would mean everything to me and will help me financially um as like working in nature is it's a tricky game concerning finances because it's it's like you're doing something you love and um it's like trying to get the money to do something you love it's it's like another way of living you know so if you can support it would mean everything to me and i'll talk to you all very soon loads of love loads of light have a beautiful weekend